0: Well, you might have noticed that uh, when Ancon had to move online this year at very short notice, and frankly, a massive shout out to the Ancon team who've done an incredible amount to pull it off with only two weeks' notice. When we moved Ancon online, we also changed the topic. Now, part of the reason was we felt like we needed to do something immediately practical, uh, something that really spoke to us in the moment, hunkered down as we are in lockdown. But we also wanted something that Would stand us all in good stead for the long term and that's why we went with the topic of refresh and growing spiritually in lockdown and beyond. See my hope in tackling this topic was that God would lay some foundations in our lives and lay them down deep which would stand us all in good stead for the long term. Loving and following Jesus is a long distance race, it's not a 100 meters flash in the pan And to go the distance, we need to have the foundations clearly in place. We need to know from God what he promises to do in every season of life that is transforming us into Jesus' image with greater and greater glory. We need to know how he's going to do that transformation through contemplation, through his word, by his spirit, in our obedience amongst his people. And so my hope and prayer is that if we have those foundations dug down deep into our lives, then no matter what comes in the years ahead, under God's hand, we'll know that what we'll know what he's doing and how he intends to do it. And we can jump on board then with clarity and confidence and joy. It seems to me that even when we know what God's doing, we're often running a race with two arms and a leg tied behind our back. And that's a pretty difficult way. To run a race. See, we forget that it's God who is at work in us by his spirit. And we get discouraged then because it seems too hard. Well, that's one arm gone. And then we neglect his word. Well, there goes his other arm. And then, maybe the most neglected of all, we try to do it on our own instead of in community with God's people. There goes a leg. And now you are seriously compromised if you're going to try and run a long distance race. You're acting as though you're in some sort of hopping novelty event not a long-distance race. And do you remember what happens to most people in hopping races? They fall over. They don't make it, especially if the race is 5,000 metres. But God's given us the means to get to the end, his spirit within us, his word to guide us, and his people to push us along. It's that third blessing, his people, that we're looking at today. We want to think us not just think me. It's worth pausing then just for a moment to reflect on why we are so individualistic in the way we think about being Christian. It's particularly a problem in Western cultures. The Western philosophical and cultural heritage goes back to the Enlightenment, and it's strongly individualistic. And that sunk down deep into the way that those steeped in Western culture see themselves and their interaction with the world. If you've grown up in a Western culture, then you quite likely see the world that way, individualistically. You may not even realize that there's other ways of seeing things. But if you've grown up in an Asian culture or an African culture or Middle Eastern culture, you are probably much more familiar with a collectivist way of seeing the world. That first and foremost, my identity is founded in communities, the groups to which I belong. To think us can be a challenge if you've been reared in that Western individualistic mindset. There's a second problem here as well. Irrespective of whatever culture you've been raised in, we've all been affected by sin. And sin is egocentric. It means I focus inwards on me. To be focused on others, that's exocentric. But sin, sin is egocentric. The most important person in the world, me. No matter what culture you come from, sin's egocentric me first is always at play. Only in coming to Jesus Christ the power of his spirit are we able to put that sin to death so to think us is not just a cultural challenge it's a universal spiritual challenge but it's one god makes possible for us in jesus and in us by his spirit and god wants us to think us rather than just me being part of his community is fundamental to what it means to be christian he saved you through faith in Jesus so that you can be part of his people. So in Titus chapter 2, verse 14, we're reminded that Jesus Christ gave himself for us to redeem us from all wickedness and to purify for himself a people that are his very own, eager to do what is good. And in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9, Peter encourages us that you are a chosen people a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession. And he's picking up there on language God used of the Old Testament nation of Israel in the days of Moses. See, God's plan has always been to create a people devoted to him, that I might be your God and that you might be my people. That's a common theme that unites salvation history across the Bible. God is purifying for himself ultimately in christ are people who will be his own one way this community of god's people is described in the new testament is as a body think a body with arms and legs and eyes and feet but with jesus as the head now paul uses this image in quite a few of his new testament letters you can find it in ephesians chapters four and five Colossians chapters 1 and 2, as well as 1 Corinthians 12 and Romans 12. So, for example, in 1 Corinthians 12, verse 27, Paul addresses the Corinthian church and says, now you, plural, you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is part of it. Whether you're a big toe, a left ear or a right elbow, you are part of Jesus' body. Paul uses this image of a body to make several points. First, it's Jesus, the head, who holds us together, who enables us to grow, and it's Jesus we're growing into. So in Ephesians chapter 4, verses 15 and 16, we're told, we must grow in every way into him who is the head, into Christ from whom the whole body, joined and knit together by every ligament with which it's equipped, as each part is working properly, promotes the body's growth in building itself in love. Growing into Jesus, our head, is another way of talking about being transformed into his image, in our character, our convictions, our passions, our priorities. It's just a different metaphor, one that highlights our dependent connection to Jesus and to each other. That dependence on each other comes out in, say, 1 Corinthians 12, where Paul says the eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you, and the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, he says, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. Think about that for a moment. We all need each other to be doing the part God has gifted each of us to play so that we can all grow together into Jesus. In fact, our oneness as the body of Christ is so significant that in Romans chapter 12, verse 5, Paul says, he says, we who are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. I'm part of you. You're part of me. We're each part of each other. See, through faith and in his spirit, Jesus has formed us into one body, united together. And so do you see why the thought of just going it solo, just you, Jesus, and that's it, that just doesn't fit. It doesn't fit with God's salvation plan. It doesn't fit with what Jesus has done. It doesn't fit with the reality of who God has made you to be in Jesus because he's made you part of the body of Christ, whether as a big toe, a left ear or a right elbow. You have a part to play in his body, a part to promote the body's growth into the image of Jesus, a part that God has gifted you for by his spirit. The way we're to grow together is by all of us using the gifts God has given us by his spirit. 1 Corinthians 12, verse 7, we're told that to each one of us, the Spirit has given us gifts for the common good. You've been equipped by God with gifts from his Spirit to use for the good of the rest of the body of Christ around you. Now, that gift could be lots of things. There are various lists of gifts in the New Testament, and they cover everything from teaching to showing mercy to financial assistance. But the attitude with which we're to approach this is very helpfully summed up in 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 10 to 11. Peter says that each of you should use whatever gift you've received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. If anyone speaks, they should do so as one speaks who speaks the very words of God. If anyone serves, they should do so with the strength God supplies, so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To him be the glory and the power forever and ever. So use whatever gift God has given you to serve others. And frankly, he's probably given you lots of gifts to use to serve others. Serve with the strength God supplies. Speak with the words God has supplied. Be mindful that you are God's servant at that point. God is using you and the gifts he's given you to build up his people. See, this is not actually about you. It's about his provision for them. And that's why the glory is all to go to him. What a privilege it is to be God's instrument as he transforms your sisters and brothers into Jesus' image. Use me more, Lord, for that glorious purpose. To grow them into your son's image. Now, we've seen this week that transformation into Jesus' image happens through his word, by his spirit, in our obedience amongst his people. So, in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 15, we're told that it's as we speak God's truth in love to one another that we grow into Jesus, who is our head. That's why, even though we're to be content, with whatever gifts he gives us, God also encourages us to particularly pursue gifts that will enable us to minister his word to one another. So in 1 Corinthians 14, Paul is comparing the spiritual gift of prophecy with the spiritual gift of speaking in tongues. A key difference he identifies between the two gifts is that prophecy is something that everyone can understand and be encouraged by, but tongues isn't understood by those hearing it unless someone else has the gift of interpretation and can interpret it or translate it for everyone else. So in 1 Corinthians 14 verse 4, Paul says, anyone who speaks in a tongue edifies themselves, but the one who prophesies edifies the church. And so given that fact, Paul encourages the Corinthian Christians to pursue the gifts that will edify the whole gathering. In verse 12, he says, since you're eager for gifts of the spirit, try to excel in those that build up the church. So, yes, we're to be content with whatever gifts God gives us, since in the end, the spirit distributes his gifts as he determines And we're to use whatever gifts he's given us to enthusiastically serve his people to his glory. But it's right to pray that he might give you gifts that will build up your sisters and brothers in the word, not for your own glory. Now, that is a trap that pride often leads us into. What drives your prayer for different gifts is that secretly you want to be more important. You want greater prominence or glory for yourself. That is a disaster waiting to happen. That's a disaster for you. And worse, it's going to be a disaster for them. And frankly, it doesn't bring any glory to God at all. Now, the reason you pursue gifts that will edify others is because you long to see your sisters and brothers transformed into the image of Jesus. You long to see Jesus' body grow, grow outward in evangelism and upward in maturity. And frankly, you don't care whether you are noticed or remembered in the process. What you long for is for Jesus to grow his people any way he can. And so you pray that he give you whatever gifts he thinks best to grow and transform his people. Now what this edification of one another through God's word looks like can be very varied can be very varied there's lots of word gifts mentioned in the new testament let me give you a few evangelism sharing God's word about Jesus with those who don't yet know him as their lord and savior pastoring bringing God's word to bear into the life of his people who he's placed under your care Prophecy, applying God's word with divine insight into a particular situation. Teaching, passing on and explaining the truths of God as revealed in Christ through the apostles. Encouraging, reminding God's people of his word in a way that comforts them and spurs them on. Words of wisdom, sharing truth from God's word that sheds light on a particular situation words of knowledge divinely given insight into a situation that concurs with his word interpretation of tongues translating what someone has said in a different tongue into a language everyone else can understand and there's many others mentioned across the new testament singing songs is another way we can build god's word together into one another's lives uh, Colossians 3:16 says, "Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom, through psalms, hymns and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts." I just want to dwell on this verse for a moment. It's very easy when singing to just get carried away with the musical experience, the, the sheer joy of making music together. But what can make it a rich word experience in our lives is twofold. First, that our minds and hearts are engaged with the content of what we're singing. Notice we're to sing to God, says the verse, with gratitude in our hearts. There's a Godward focus in our singing. I'm not merely just focusing on the harmony to really make it sound awesome or not just focusing on that great drum solo between the bridge and the next verse, whatever. No, the folk, there's a Godward focus in my singing, but also we're singing together, we're told, teaching and admonishing one another. There's a horizontal aspect to our singing as well. I'm singing to help teach and admonish you with God's word. It's actually, it's not just about me and you individually having a personal moment with God in this song. It just happens to be at the same time. No, we're singing as an act of calling each other back to the truths of God's word, which leads to the second requirement to make it a rich word experience. What we're singing has to have God's truth as the content. The message about Jesus according to this verse, is meant to dwell richly in me through this song. It's meant to draw my heart to God in gratitude and produce fruitful obedience in my life. That's only going to happen if it's God's word about Jesus that fills this song. Now, that doesn't mean we can only sing verses from the Bible, which is what some Christian traditions have done. They might say only sing psalms from the Old Testament. Paul, interestingly, in this verse, mentions three different types of song here. Psalms, possibly a reference to Psalms in the Old Testament. Hymns, that is just sacred songs, songs directed to God or about God, and what he calls songs from the Spirit. I take it that's probably songs created with the help of God's Spirit. And if God's Spirit has helped write these songs, then we know that the spirit sword, the word of God about Jesus, the son, that will be the focus and the source of the, the content, what that song is about. You can see all of these different word ministries, not just songs, but all of it at work. When Paul has to give some instruction to the Corinthian Christians about what should happen when they meet together. And Church for the Corinthians seems to have been frankly, a wild and uncontrolled affair. So in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, Paul has to give some instructions about how they should do their gatherings together so that it is edifying, so that it actually does what God wants it to do, builds up the body of Jesus into Jesus' image. Now, you can read the whole bit of advice he has there in 1 Corinthians 14 from verse 26 to verse 40. But as you read through it, you'll notice he mentions different word ministries that are going on when the church gathers together. Just the ones that I picked up him mentioning, he mentions hymn singing, he mentions words of instruction, he mentions uh, words of revelation, tongue speaking, interpretation of tongues, prophecy, the weighing or assessment of prophecy, encouragement. In all of these ways, we're to speak God's word in love to each other so that Jesus' body might grow. So just bringing that home, are you ready to be God's instrument in the life of your sisters and brothers in Christ in this sort of way? Are you ready to go to church or your Bible study or your EU small group or EU Bible seminar or whatever the gathering is of God's people, are you ready to go to that praying that God might open up opportunities for you to bring God's word to bear into the life of whoever you end up next to or speaking to. We need to do it humbly, gently, remembering the logs that are in our own eye that we dare not leave unattended. But is that the attitude with which you go to God's people? Looking for ways you might build them up in Jesus through his truth. Doesn't matter whether it's in person or whether it's on Zoom, does it? It doesn't matter whether it's going for a walk in the park or sitting in church or just a phone call. That's what love looks like. Lord, help me to bring God your word to bear into this person's life for their encouragement and their growth into the image of Jesus. Of course, if we're preparing ourselves to speak God's word to our sisters and brothers, we have to be ready to hear it from them as well. God speaks his word to me amongst his people, through his people. It's easy sometimes to write off my interaction with that sister or brother. Look, They don't know as much as me or they're so much younger than me or well they're not in a leadership role in this relationship. None of that matters when it comes to how God might be shaping you through his word into Jesus' image. Psalm 8 verse 2 reminds us that Out of the mouths of babes and infants you have established strength because of your foes to steal the enemy and the avenger. God uses his word from the most unlikely of people to declare his truth, to shame the strong and the proud. Do you go to your Christian community ready to hear God's word from his people, even as you go to serve them? Because that takes humility. Humility. It means consigning our pride in the power of his spirit to the garbage bin, which, frankly, is where it belongs. Um, I get dressed up for these special ANCON presentations. I put on a nice jumper. But what I look like the rest of the time, sitting here, working on Zoom, is more like this. I had this cardigan that I love to wear. I wear my Cardi because the room's pretty cold and this keeps me warm. So I wear my Cardi. Uh, it is pretty cold, I often put a scarf on. If you've been in a Zoom meeting with me, I'm not lying. This is how I normally look. And then because I you know, am follicly challenged, as they say, I lack hair, I have to put on my artificial hair. This is what I normally look like on Zoom. I've got my special lockdown beard growing. Now, look, frankly, if I turned up to your church looking like this and was sitting there in the back corner, you're going to be very nervous to come to speak to me. I know that. I look like a bit of a crazy person. I look like I could possibly be homeless the way I'm sort of rugged up. And so I I just wonder how many people might look at someone like this, and go, I'm not, going to be, I'm not going to be blessed by you. I'm not going to be served by you under the hand of God. I'm not going to hear God's word from you. I just wonder if we've got all sorts of assumptions where we write off how and from whom we may hear God's word even as we go to serve. You've been saved into God's people through his word and you're being transformed together with them by his word. So let's love one another with an attitude that longs to speak and hear God's word from one another. Now, speaking and hearing God's word from one another is not the only way God uses the community of his people to transform us into Jesus' image. The other way it happens, which is just as significant in God's plans and purposes is through the reality of living together as one body under Jesus. And just as with the ministry of the word, there's a giving and receiving, so here too, there's a giving and receiving component. Christian community, our life together in relationship with one another, it's God's gym. Christian community is God's gymnasium for transforming us into Jesus' image. The challenge of loving each other is God's way of knocking us into shape, Jesus' shape. You have to learn to live with my sinful failings and me having to learn to live with yours. That's how God exposes the sin in my character. That's how he points out the the sin in my convictions and passions and priorities, as I learn to love you with grace and patience, that's God's spirit knocking off the proud and impatient corners of my character. Now we see this in the same chapter where Paul talked about having Christ's word dwell in us richly, Colossians chapter 3. He talks about the grubby old clothes that we need to put off because we're now in Christ, as well as the new Jesus-coloured clothes we need to put on. So if you've got your Bible there, why don't you open it up and have a look. Colossians chapter 3. I'll give you a moment to turn that up. Colossians chapter 3, we're going to start at verse 1. And Paul talks here about the different attitude that we need to have now since we've been united to Jesus in his death and resurrection. Let me read this out to you. He says... We will be with him, appear with him in glory. Paul then continues in verse 5 on how that future affects the present. Verse 5. Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires and greed, which is idolatry. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived. But now you must also rid yourself of all such things as these anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. And now notice how Paul will explicitly address our interactions with each other. Verse 9 Do not lie to each other, since you have taken off your old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge in the image of its creator. That's the same goal we've been looking at all week, isn't it? Transformation into the image of Jesus, who is the image of God, through knowledge, that is, through his word. Verse 11, here, that is, in Christ, there is no Gentile or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all and is in all. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves, and notice here that all the things we're told to put on are all about how we treat one another in the body. He says, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other. It's as I seek to put on the image of Jesus in my dealings with you and as you seek to put on the image of Jesus in your dealings with me, that's how we're transformed into Jesus' image. Instead of anger, I put on humility and patience and kindness and forgiveness. Instead of giving way to factions and fighting, we let peace rule in our hearts since we're members of one body together. I mentioned before Dietrich Bonhoeffer in that little book, Where did I put it? In the little book, Uh, Life Together. He has a great little section. I mean, just the whole first chapter is on community. And uh, he has this reflection on the reality of having to live with one another when we each sin. And this is what he says. And is not what we have been given enough, namely, brothers and sisters who will go on living with us through sin and need under the same blessing of God's grace. Is the divine gift of Christian fellowship anything less than this any day, even the most difficult and distressing day, even when sin and misunderstanding burden the communal life? Is not the sinning brother or sister still a brother or sister with whom I too stand under the word of Christ, will not their sin be a constant occasion for me to give thanks that both of us may live in the forgiving love of God in Jesus Christ? Thus, the very hour of disillusionment with my brother or sister becomes incredibly salutary, he says, because it is, it, because it so thoroughly teaches me that neither of us can ever live by our own words and deeds, but only by that one word and deed, which really binds us together, the forgiveness of sins in Jesus Christ. He concludes, when the morning mists of dreams vanish, then dawns the bright day of Christian fellowship. Welcome to the gymnasium, otherwise known as Christian community where I'm trained by God into Jesus' image by learning to live with you, with grace. And the giving and the receiving in God's gym is profound. As I learn to show patience and grace to you, I'm being transformed by God's spirit into Jesus' image. And as I do that, God is using me to set an example, a model for others in God's community. I'm receiving and giving at the same time. And similarly, as you learn to live with me and my sinful failings, you model to me the grace of God, which I constantly need. As you forgive me, I'm reminded of God's forgiveness. As you in humble gentleness call me out for my sin, I'm reminded of Jesus' gentleness in addressing my sin and his humbleness in going to the cross for me. Are you ready to give and receive in God's gym, life together in grace in Jesus' body? Well, time to wrap it up for the week. We call this conference Refresh. Christian community is a gift of refreshment from God as we serve together, as we serve one another with his words and gifts. Matt Moffat just uh, pointed something out to me this week, which I found really helpful. Most of the New Testament references to refreshment are to being refreshed through one another. I'll leave you to do a word search, but let me just point out a few to you. Uh, in 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verses 17 and 18, Paul is at the, towards the end of his letter, and he says, I was glad when Stephanus, Fortunatus, and Archaeus arrived because they have supplied what was lacking from you, for they refreshed my spirit and yours also. They refreshed Paul by supplying what the Corinthians had been unable to supply, probably in some sort of practical means, but also presumably they refreshed Paul by their Christian company, sharing together in the things of Christ, sharing his word together, serving one another in love showing grace to one another and even the example of one another's discipleship. Uh, elsewhere, Paul says uh, um, in uh, 1 Timothy, Paul talks about Onisophorus, a Christian brother, he said, who often refreshed me and was not ashamed of my chains. That is, Onisophorus often went to visit Paul in prison I mean, it is hard to refresh someone who you won't make an effort to see. Now, Paul says there, this refreshment included the many ways he helped me in Ephesus. That is when Paul was in, was in prison there. And it seems, again, that refreshment is practical help, not just Christian word encouragement, but certainly encouraging Paul in his walk with Jesus was part of the picture. And then finally, Paul's letter to the Romans starts and ends with his desire for mutual refreshment with the roman christians even though he's never met many of them so in romans chapter one at the beginning of the letter verses 11 and 12 paul says i long to see you so that i may impart to you some spiritual gift to make you strong that is that you and i may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith and then zoom forward to the very end of the letter Romans chapter 15, verse 32, he says, pray for me so that by God's will I may come to you with joy and together with you be refreshed. One of the key ways that God refreshes us in our walk with Jesus is through the giving and taking with one another. It's sort of all testimony really to what we read in Psalm 133, verse 1, how good and pleasant it is when God's people live together in unity your reaction to that picture might be, well, my experience of Christian community at church or the EU has not been like that. There's very little refreshment. The people are unfriendly. There's no vibe. The talks drag on. Thank goodness, frankly, they're now on YouTube, so I can just watch them at one and a half speed. Well, again, refreshment doesn't always come to us amongst God's people in the perfect form we might wish. Often refreshment comes wrapped in weakness, It comes through another weak person just like you. It comes to you through another clay jar, unimpressive, imperfect. Are you ready to receive the refreshment God will bring to you through his people as you seek to love and serve them? It requires humility, letting go of your dreams of how you think God should best refresh you. But this gift of us together in Christ Jesus, it is a privilege And it's a wonderful opportunity to serve and to be served so that together we might grow together into Jesus' image through his word, by his spirit, in our obedience together amongst his people. We're going to talk about what that looks like and what the experience is like by sharing with our panel now. I've got two panelists joining us today. We have Laura and Jairus. Now, Laura is a senior staff worker with the EU and she works in the humanities region and Jairus is part of the EU Focus and MBS communities. Great to have you both join us. And we've been thinking about Christian community. Maybe you could start by sharing with us, what are some of the opportunities you've had to grow in Jesus' image through Christian community? Maybe Laura, you might like to start first.
1: Sure. Well, I've been a part of a few different Christian communities. I think um, I was part of the EU when I was a uni student and that was a really big time of growth for me. And I think part of what, um, what, what enabled that was my experience of being with like-minded peers as we were wrestling with big questions about Christian life together and um, just seeing in them God's work and that encouraged me but also challenged me and we were able to do sort of the wrestling together. And so we talked about what our futures would hold, what it would look like to sort of really pursue our vocations with a a goal to see Jesus glorified there. We talked about giving up those particular vocations for ministry or um, people who really grew a heart for the LRLR and who are out there now serving in all different parts of the world. All those kind of big future questions we got to do together. And I think that was just such a blessing to God um, blessing from God to me that um, I had those other people to do it with. I think it pushed me further. And then there were parts of just life that we shared that um, were a huge encouragement. And I have this really vivid memory actually of being in the EU on a team organising a mission. And the EU was trying to raise money to pay for this huge mission we were going to try and run on campus. And anyway, I was on the team. And so we were, we were inviting people to give. And there was a student in the EU who gave $1,000 to the mission. And I you know, I just remember being like, what on earth? I just never even thought anything like that was possible. Um, it was such a radical moment for me. It sort of just exploded my horizons for what generosity and um, deciding what all the things God's given you, what you're going to use them to make your life about. I just learned this from this one person in kind of that crazy moment that stayed with me years later. So the EU was a big... Um, meaningful experience of growth for me in community. <clears throat> but I also think about um, an example that comes to mind was this church Bible study I was a part of a few years ago. And it was a wonderful Bible study because we were very diverse, quite different to the EU, where there's lots of things you have in common. But this group, um, people were in all different ages, different life stages. I was the youngest there by quite a while. And there was this woman <clears throat> in the group who I just, I still think of her today as a real prayer warrior. And I learned a lot from watching the way that she chose to trust God just day by day with really hard things in life. And I remember she would, you know, share with the group that she had a really difficult conversation coming up with a parent of hers that she had a a difficult relationship with and she would pray about it and then come back the next week and share about how she thought God was at work in her in kind of trying to love her parent or, you know, with her other family members. She just she was so dependent on God and... I was really thankful for her example. I learned a lot just from watching her.
0: Yeah. That's great, Laura. Thanks for sharing those stories. It's wonderful to hear how God uses Christian community to shape us into his image. Jaros, how about you?
2: Uh, I really learned a lot from God's team. But one thing I want to mention is uh love one another. I learned a lot. Um, you want John 40 said, for anyone who does not love his father, whom he has seen, cannot love God. So whom he can nothing so I used to think this isn't hard uh, when I saw my parents serving at church I often thought they didn't love enough you know when I joined and began to serve in a Christian community I started to feel the challenge God always puts some people around you I'm saying always that you find it's really hard to love there's a guy uh, I want to mention who is not a Christian
0: no name He just no name <laughs> yeah yeah yeah
2: <laughs> I want to mention his name. He just graduated from the senior this semester. He's been involved in MBS for three years. Um, for the first two years, he didn't believe in Jesus and he always used weird reason to not believe. I was okay with that at the beginning, uh, but as time went on, I found it's really hard to love him. Uh, after almost two years, he's still not a Christian. I feel like I was just wasting my time taking care of him, you know. I even asked my supervisor, oh, how long should I keep loving him? And I prayed to God, God, I really don't want to love this guy. How long do you want to love this guy? I really want to see him become a Christian. Well, I'm serving here at Sydney Uni. About one month later, he became a Christian and be baptized. Praise God. And he started to share the gospel with me. Those people who have similar questions about Christianity, about science and Confucianism. This is just one example happening in the Christian community around me. Uh, God really changed me to be more like Jesus by changing me to love people I really don't want to love and be patient.
0: That's wonderful. Isn't it just wonderful how God was working in him, but also in you. That's That's really awesome. Um, I want to ask you both, what are some of the joys and struggles you've had in being in Christian community? I guess we've heard some of the joys already there, but what are some of the things that have stood out to you as joys and struggles, Laura?
1: Well, I think um, I was really struck as you were speaking earlier, Rowan, about forgiveness. Um, I feel like the first few years I was a Christian. I became a Christian into my mid-teens the first few years I had just a pretty good time I had a really good life I still do really but um, the longer I went on uh, the the idea of forgiveness became more than just kind of this Christianese category thing I just thought wow forgiveness is so profound it's such an incredible gift that God gives us but also it's so um, challenging to us to our pride and to our sort of that that um, self-centeredness that you're talking about, to actually forgive others who wrong us and hurt us and um, life can be full of that actually. And so I think sitting alongside Christian brothers and sisters as well who'd been wronged in serious ways and actually um, thinking, oh, is it really my place to spur them on to forgive that person? That's just a horrible thing they've gone through that felt really um, challenging, really pushed me back to remember the depth of what God has done for us in Jesus, that grace. And so I feel like that is something he will have to just keep teaching me for the whole of my life to, to know the depths of that and, um, yeah, to just enjoy it but also be shaped by it so that I'm a quick to forgive person as well. But, I mean, I mean, that's sort of like the deep. There's also just embarrassing and exposing things about your own sinfulness that come out in community as well which um, can feel like a challenge and I think about um, I live in a share house some of my housemates I've been friends with for 20 years they're Christians they've just really seen the ups and downs of me there's not a lot about me that they don't know um, which is very humbling as well as really wonderful because we still kind of stick with each other and have love and grace for each other and um they'll point out my flaws there's this person that I used to be at church with who I just really struggled with a godly attitude towards because I thought they were kind of cold and unfriendly and not that nice and I just didn't want really to try with them to engage or to care for them but my housemates knew and they they would they'd push me on it they'd poke me and sort of be like that's ridiculous firstly but also that's not kind of who we are as god's people and so you know, it's hard sometimes, but also thankful for
0: just the depth that that gets to. Mm. Oh, that, but it shows the the blessing of having each other, right? To sort of, yeah. God uses each other to train us to be actually more like Him, actually. Totally. Not
2: yeah. so selfish. Yeah.
0: What about you, Jairus? Some joys and struggles?
2: Uh, I got a lot of joys. Uh, there are two I'm going to mention. is uh, There's one joy I found uh, when I've seen people join the Christian community and become Christian especially those people when they see, we love our love for God and for them. And a lot of people actually aren't looking for the truth at first. They are looking for the love and fun, but then they find the truth. That's a moment i feel very joyful. Another thing is uh, when I see people from all nations worship God together, just really beautiful. When I was in America, I joined a conference I just couldn't stop crying when I saw people from all nations coming to the stage and lift their, their hand to worship God. At that moment, I feel our God is so powerful and great. You know, there, awesome. there are some, yeah, yeah, yeah. There are some struggle that I have. I think one thing is uh, the language and the cultural barriers, uh, which stop us loving each other. Um, some people even now who are listening to me, From my accent, they might be saying, oh, this guy is not one of us. This really makes me sad, yeah.
0: What um, sort of attitudes have you both found helpful as you sort of come into Christian community? What's been helpful attitudes? Laura?
1: Well, I think um, stemming from what we've been talking a bit about already, um, just trying to bring a lens of God's grace to everything and when I was in the EU, there was a woman who used to be a staff worker. Her name was Kaz. And that's one of the main things I remember about getting to know her and her getting to know me while I was a student, that we would just talk about grace all the time. She knew that I was kind of a bit of a like black and white thinker sometimes or a bit kind of, of a rules kind of person. And
0: only a I just, little bit, right? Only, <laughs> only a, little bit a
1: little bit. Just the right amount. Yeah, exactly. Um the, but I just remember for her, the way she sort of thought about herself as a Christian, the way she thought about me, the people that she led and ministered to, how she thought about sharing the gospel, telling people that like Jesus was all about God's grace and that that was our, our confidence, our hope, his grace to us. And so I think um, I learned from her to try and bring that, that lens to every situation. I also do um, have a memory, which I realised is 16 years ago now, my first ANCON, which was about the church. And um, that really changed my thinking about Christian fellowship and really brought me more to, you know, bring a sense of awe to fellowship, to my church family, that this is an incredible thing that God has done and it's very important to him. These people are incredibly precious to him. And um, it's kind of a supernatural, incredible reality. And so to take that very seriously, to treasure it and be committed to it as well, yeah.
0: That's such a helpful reminder because, honestly, I do not walk into church or, frankly, even into EU gatherings either and just go, oh, awesome. Look at But you're right. It's a miracle, right? It's, it's an yeah. amazing thing that God is doing, building his body under Jesus. It's precious, Yeah. How about you, Jairus? What attitudes have you found helpful?
2: I think one thing is be humble, That just as you mentioned. Um, people go to church for a long time, and they know humans are sinful, even in churches. So, But Jesus said all people are sinful. And he said it's not the, the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. We're all sick, and we all need mm-hmm. Jesus the doctor. You know what? I thought I was healthy. <laughs> but when this happened to me, I realized the truth. I'm very safe. Uh when I live at home, I sometimes feel my parents were selfish because they didn't share enough with people. But then when I started to lead a Bible study group and invite people to my home, I felt frustrated when people eat up my favorite chips.
0: <laughs> so you're selfish about the chips. Yeah. <laughs> Having been pointing the finger at your parents, yeah yeah, yeah. We, we all need Jesus the doctor right <laughs> yeah that's so good so right. um finally what observations would you just like to share I mean we we know that as Christian community we've got so much more to grow in and we, we want to grow into the image of Jesus so I'd just be interested in you sharing your observations of where you think we might need to grow as Christian communities together Laura
1: well, I mean, when I think about the EU, for example, I've been part of the EU for a long time, and it's a really precious community to me. Lots um, of things I love about it. One thing that does sort of sit with me sometimes is something we need to keep growing in. I think is I talk with, with people, and um, sometimes I, just, I think we just get worried about being awkward, <laughs> and that stops us from doing um, loving things or um, actually being thinking about other people before ourselves. And I think that's a challenge because that's a cultural. Pressure for us caring what people think about us but even just Jairus's example heartbreaking example then about you know people who are different to us or they sound different to us or they look different to us if we might shy away from actually just welcoming them totally openly heartedly um you know that that's just such a missed opportunity i do think it's not like that's the case all the time I see beautiful glorious moments of people stepping outside their comfort zone um and I yeah that's always such a joy I just think that's something we can grow more and more in and what an impact it might make on the campus yeah I
0: think that's really helpful insight thank you Laura um how about you Jaris things that you've observed that you think we could do better I'm particularly interested just because you've you know you you come with fresh eyes and insight I think as someone from another culture and Therefore, you're God's precious gift to us to help us see things that we're maybe blind to. What do you think are some of the things that maybe we struggle with?
2: Uh, I think I think EU is great. I really love EU. Uh, I really appreciate everything that you're doing right now. And really appreciate one thing is uh, Ro and Alex visited us on the first morning to welcome us, to welcome MPS. You know, it means a lot for people who come from the, hierarchical society. Uh, A lot of things you're doing great great is like good teaching and uh, emphasize on resting, et cetera. I won't spend too much time on it. but from my observation, there are three things I think you could do better as a group. Uh, The first one is I found Australian people set a very clear boundaries between work and their family or personal life. It makes people like me from more group-oriented culture feel rejected at the beginning. For example, as a focus team, we didn't spend a lot of time together outside work. But in Chinese church, we share life, we share meals, and we do a lot of things together, like having meals together, watching movies together. You know. Um, I think the second thing is there is there isn't much emphasis on community, at least. Yeah, not many sermons or talks on it. So I really appreciate that your talk on it today. Uh, I think the third one is the church members. I think many of them they are here more about growing in knowledge than changing their lives. Yeah, I think those three things we might be we can do better.
0: Thank Charles. That's really helpful to hear that from you. And I think we need to listen to what. Uh, God's spirit is telling us through our sisters and brothers together so that we might together grow more and more into Jesus' image. So thank you for serving us in that way. Um, Laura, I think you're going to wrap up this session with prayer, so then people can have a, a bit of a break before their final prayer and reflection group. Thanks, Laura.
1: Let's pray. Heavenly Father, all praise and glory to you for your incredible and transformative grace to us through your son and in the power of your spirit that not only gives us life in him, but also binds us together as your people. We pray that we might continue to treasure this for all of our earthly days and continue to, do, continue to look to eternity where we will share in praising you forever. We thank you for the gift of one another and pray for your spirit's help as we seek to love deeply and genuinely with perseverance, with forbearance, with forgiveness with a hopefulness about how we might see you at work in one another's lives. We pray that we might be bold in faith, stepping out of our comfort zone to serve others, to be a blessing to them and to point them to Christ. And we pray that we might be humble and dependent upon you in the times when this feels hard, challenging or costly. Help us to drink deeply from your grace each day such that we might share that with one another. Father, we pray that our fellowship and community in the EU might be a witness to the world around us of the love that we've received from Jesus. And we pray that though we are weak and imperfect and still growing, that you would be pleased to work through this fellowship and our testimony to bring glory to Christ. We pray all of these things in his name. Amen.